Before we get started, before we get started, this show is about the game Hero Clicks. It's kind of like chess, but with superpowers. We realize we're complete, total, utter nerds about it. Nerds about it. But you know what? We don't even care. This is Clixinit. This is Clixinit. So if you're a noob, a casual player, or an insane competitive junkie, you found your new home. And now, your gaming superheroes, Adam, Dan, Kane, Austin, and Miles. Let's do this. Hello, everybody out there in Clicksland, and welcome to another episode here on Clicksing It. I, like always, am your host, Adam. So we finally had our next big event in the Hero Clicks world. We had the Kilted Classic that happened in Chicago this past Saturday, which was the 15th. I, unfortunately, had to go up north to Green Bay to a wedding to film, but we did have a good showing of people at the Click or the uh, Kilted Classic, which was about 50 people. We also had a good showing from our own crew, the Clicksing It crew, uh, go as well. Uh, we do have Dan and Ryan who went to the Kilted Classic uh, on the show today. We also have the champ himself, Ken Small. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Hi, everybody. I got the pleasure to meet Ken last year at our event, which is the Cheesehead Championship, which will be happening August 25th. Um, I'm sorry, August 26th of this year in Kenosha, potentially. Uh, so put that in your calendars, but I'll get more details as that comes along. But I wanted to invite Ken onto the show, talk about the Kilted Classic a little bit, see how everyone did, and just kind of the atmosphere, because it seems like it's the players that are keeping this game alive through tournaments than it is WizKids. WizKids do have some things, but with people like David Newmark and PJ Bolin and so forth that are really putting these uh, tournaments together is what's really helping this game out. So... How we're going to do this is we're going to go round by round. We'll talk about our teams first, or their teams first, and then we will talk about round by round. Uh, we did have another member from the team, Matt slash Pete, that did go. Didn't want to come on the podcast tonight, but I did have him write a very detailed uh, description of his day. Then we're going to talk about some of the previews that were released by Scott Porter on his live stream. We got some Connellys. We got the David Powell or the Dan Powell legacy card. We also got the Scott Crampton bystander. But is it really a bystander? Nobody knows. So uh, let's talk uh, about teams first. Uh, let's start off with Ryan. Ryan, now you kept mm -hmm. your team pretty hush hush, which you like to do. You don't like to give your teams away before big tournaments. What did you play uh, first before we talk round by round? Uh, so I ended up going with a uh, mostly Spider-Man family team. I ended up uh, not going theme, so I could throw some Carnage Colossals on there. But uh, I played the <clears throat> Prime Spider-Man from uh, the new set that uh, is like the symbiote one. He was auto-equipped with the black symbiote for free. And then I had uh, Arachnite at 60 points with the Soul Sword, Sarkarian Iron Man with the Cloak, uh, Marvella was on the team to give Sarkarian Iron Man the Spider-Man family keyword still so that he still worked with Madam Web's ability to let him walk through walls and people. 
And then I played Gwen Stacy uh, from the new set for her leadership and the ability to turn into uh, the Inguinable Hulk. And then she had the Indigo Tribe ring on just so I had some support. And then Madam Web, who was awesome. And then two Carnage uh, Colossals. Now, only two because you only have two of his legacy cards, or that's all you felt like you needed? Uh, that was the most I could fit on there. Okay. <laughs> I, I cut Aunt May with the Indigo Ring to put her second one on there already, so points were tight. Gotcha. Uh, and then while we're on you, why don't we talk about your wife's team? What did she play? Uh, if you can remember. I just put it away. One second. She, uh, We actually got a couple of chances to practice, so she felt a little bit better going into this one. She ended up going with two Sky Tyrants. Nice. Uh, she went with Chip instead of Venom Magneto so that she would be able to um, have a little bit of utility with the ring, which would, that helped uh, being able to practice that a little bit. She ended up um, actually even getting rid of Death Metal Wonder Woman for one of the Sky Tyrants. And then... Sorry, I'm kind of just wasting time until I find the uh, that's fine. <laughs> the thing that she um, sent me. While, while you're wasting time, so you, but going back to your team, you were themed. You were a Spider-Man family, correct? No, I actually killed theme for the Colossal Carnages. Oh, okay. That's right. For the retail, because I have a lot of damage output with my team. So if you want to go after any of them, because I moved up pretty quick. Um, if you go after anyone, I could retail pretty easy on the next turn. Um, all right, here she is. So she actually went and got a second Arachnite uh, for the house. So she played Arachnite with the Soul Sword, um, two Sky Tyrants, a Scarab with the... No, she didn't equip him. Uh, Commissioner with Radioactive Clay, and then Chip. And I think that's everybody. So again, she played non-theme because of Chip. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Dan, what did you play? Um, I actually stuck with theme, although uh, I definitely would make some changes now. But uh, I also played the Prime Spider-Man. I played Madam Web. I played Gwen Stacy at 20 um, for the leadership. I played Black Cat, which I wanted to play the uh, Unpainted Torch, but I could not get a hold of one, so she was my sub-in. Um, I played Marvella. Uh, I played Deathstroke, and I'm trying to remember. Let me pull it up. What my last figure was that I played on that team. Madam Web, wasn't it? Or did you say no, that? No, I said Madam Web, Scarlet Witch, and then I had the Pumpkin Bombs and the Cloak of Levitation. So the Pumpkin Bombs were on Deathstroke to give him triple target energy explosion, just in case I didn't want a Pulse Wave. And then the Cloak was on Madam Web just to give her some uh, ability to move without having to uh, always take a cost at action. And you were Celebrity? No, I was Spider-Man Family. How does Scarlet Witch Mar- become? Oh, Marvella. yeah. Is so, celebrity or Marvel yeah, makes celebrity and Scarlet right. Witch and Deathstroke are celebrity. Gotcha. Uh, and then our other buddy Matt slash Pete, he played Prime Gladiator at a hundred with the Absolute Carnage Pumpkin Bombs, Miss Kang, Captain Carter Shield, Saki with the cloak, Chip, and Sky Tyrant. And then Ken, the champion, what did you play? I played uh, Disney Plus Scarlet Witch at fifty with the Darkhold, of course. Arachnite at 60 with the Cloak of Levitation. Death Metal Wonder Woman at 50. Uh, Felix Faust at 30. Mad Jim. Uh, from Wonder Woman 80, I played Star Sapphire at 25 with her ring. And then I played Legacy, 
Casey Green Lantern at 20 with his ring. And then my sideline object's kind of important. At least, well, two of them are important. The rest don't matter. The angler to put onto Scarlet Witch to allow her to blink around to do her hex and the golden armor to put on Death Metal Wonder Woman so she doesn't get poisoned or, or knocked back to death and and have to waste her resuscitation on herself. Very nice. Now, before we get into round one, let's talk about the actual event. What? And I'll just let this open up to everybody. What was the atmosphere? How was it seeing everybody? How was it ran? Things like that. Well, everything was actually really smooth. Um, I think they had a couple of issues with the, uh, the printing of the uh, lineup or whatever the who versed everyone. So PJ had to basically just announce it every round. Um, but other than that, everything was relatively quick. Um, everyone was in pretty good spirits, I think. And uh, really the only issue was just uh, space. 50 people showed up. So getting 50 people crammed into this uh, like basically felt like a big hallway uh, was a little rough. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, I have opinions since I helped run it. Um, yeah, Nate's printer went belly up. We didn't plan for that. And we weren't really sure if we would get 50. We were guessing everywhere from 40 to maybe as high as 60. We got 50 even, which was a nice round number for pairings. Uh, but yeah, we we uh, because we had to, to get the space kind of late because of the various things in the clicks calendar moving around and being uncertain, we didn't have as much lead time to get a better space. So that's definitely... a, a uh, a thing to be improved for next year. Was it at a venue or a hall or what was it at? It's a, it was at a rented hall. Okay. We, had, we had to rent a hall. That was a, that was my only like minor complaint was just it's, it was very tight quartered and hot. Was, yeah, <laughs> it was, very hot. It was also it's 80 degrees in April in Chicago. I was going to say it was 86 degrees at the wedding I was filming and I can only, and then 40 something the next day, but that's Wisconsin for you. Two days later, there's snow on the ground in Chicago. Yeah. That's Wisconsin. Um, But overall, it's overall, it sounds like PJ runs a great event. Uh, Who were the judges PJ and anybody else? PJ was the only official judge. We had Chris who runs games at, uh, Dice Dojo in Chicago, which is where we'd hold this if we weren't colliding with a Magic pre-release, uh, doing all the score entry and and sort of manning the logistics. But PJ was the only official judge. And the way he handled that is, if you wanted to appeal, he would uh, he would find references to back up his his thing. But I don't think there was a lot of contention about rulings during the day. It seemed it seemed to be pretty straightforward. Yeah, good. good. I'd say on average, the the player base was one cordial and understanding about things like rulings and two very, very knowledgeable. I think I'd say that understanding of rules ran to the high end for this event. Good. So it really sounds like the last couple or the last two events, the champion clicks and this one, the turnouts have been good. I believe champion clicks got around between 60 and 70 people. And then this one was 50. So hopefully we can keep that going up with the uh, competitive play and getting those numbers uh, around that. Cause I think that's a good base number for uh, tournaments, whether it's Gen Con or worlds or whatever it is. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's talk about rounds. So we'll talk about round one first, who you played against, how it went. Uh, I'm going to talk about 
Matt slash Pete real quick. He played Christine in the first round. Uh, he won a close game, 125 to 85. He said Christina's dice failed her miserably, which kind of seems like the theme for her at these kind of tournaments. Ryan, you can probably contest to that. And a rough year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only April. Um, and he, she just said it's always, or he said it's always played a fun Christine because they are aggressive games uh, where there's a lot of attacks. Uh, Ryan, let's start off with you. How did your first game go? Uh, so <clears throat> first match was against TJ Wheeler. Um, I lost map all five rounds or first player or whatever. Um, I ended up winning the first game 135 to 45. We played an X-Men swap team that ended up with a Jubilee, a Prime Wonder Woman, Chase Beast, Venom Magneto, uh, Prize A Pocket 35, and um, I forget what else he played. He went to the newer map that Jubilee can turn into the dragon, and then uh, just kind of snuck up in stealth, and uh, we just kind of rolled dice pretty quick. So it was a good match. The uh, tar- the tarot cards uh, didn't really come into effect um, any of my three matches, but they I'll talk about it later when we get to matches four and five. Those were rough. Um, we're just talking about the first one right now? For yeah, everyone? just the first one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we know how Christine did because she played Matt slash Pete. Dan, how did you, now when I looked at the pictures on Facebook, it looked like you had a rough matchup the first game. That was like most of my games, but that's just... Uh, I had My first match was against the Genesis, uh, Genesis Apocalypse team. Uh, it had Blackheart, Sky Tyrant, uh, both Genesis and Apocalypse, and then what else was there? It just looked like the nuts monster team that you usually see. Yeah, there was a Venom Magneto on there too. Yeah, so um, my team just can't absorb all that free damage that they're doing, and I just couldn't get um, like I couldn't get Scarlet Witch in there to like rune marker them. It just wasn't. It was either I do that and she probably dies, or. Um, I just it was one of those where it was it was risky to do it. So, um, but Deathstroke was able to pull off his pulse wave, which was cool, and uh, knock Black or Blackheart off the ledge and do like three damage to him in one go. So to hit him to his first stop click, um, so that was that was cool. Uh, I like that, but uh, it was tough. I lost. I think it was really close. I think it was forty to twenty five or something like that. Nice. Now I do have to ask: Did you ever get a six off with Deathstroke the entire tournament, or no? I got two fives. Nice. That's oh, actually, I got a few, I got a few fives off with Deathstroke. Like he was, that was actually really solid for him, honestly. Very nice. And then Ken, how did you do the first round? Well, I, I felt a little bit like I lost right off, or at least it was a little sad because Pat Fraser and I got teamed up against each other. We've been, you know, co Clex Mafia members for ages. We've been practicing for this event. So I knew his team. He knew my team. He had he had mixed it up a little bit, but he was playing a, a Teen Titans mostly animals team with the Prime Beast Boy with three maggots, and and basically I know what happens with his team, which is he comes in, does a does a drop ship thing, poisons the heck out of me, and then I hit him back, and it was very knockdown drag drag out. But I, I think the, the clutch move I made in that game was he knocked my Mad Jim Jaspers through the use of poison onto his pulse wave clicks, which most people don't even think about the fact that Mad Jim Jaspers has a pulse wave click. And I gladly pulse wave my team to strip all of his maggots of their, of their PC and to kill at least one of the 
bystanders that was still uh, out on the map. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, some, some careful construct usage, some careful use of uh, uh, TK, and uh, a lot of back and forth. I managed to, to strip him down. So, but I, I know playing Path that that game can go the other way. Um, so I felt I felt fortunate to, to have jumped that hurdle right at the start. Very nice. And it's always rough to play against your friend because you know you want both you guys to advance to the top sixteen. But then, like you exactly. said, you kind of know how your pl- your friend plays, so you know how to kind of go against them. Yeah, and he but he knows how he also knows how I play. I think I think I've beaten him more than he's beaten me with this team in practice. We've we've practiced a lot for this event. We really wanted that belt to come home. And to his credit, um, you know, I beat him in that first round, but he did make it into the top sixteen as well. Yeah, I see that. Um, all right, round two. I'll read Matt slash Pete first. He said, "Don't remember his name, but he was a nice guy. Nice thing of you to say, Matt. Uh, he won eighty-five to seventy-five. Uh, the nice guy did. Uh, he got my Sky Tire and Chip. I KO'd his Faust and his Cosmo. Very fun game." Uh, let's start off out with uh, Christine. If you remember Ryan, do you remember how Christine did round two? Um, she lost that one. Um, all of her matches were honestly pretty close. The uh, that one though, she ended up uh, she played Devin Nunamaker and she lost two hundred to three hundred, so still scored two hundred points. Oh, nice! Yeah, Devin Nunamaker played Arachnite at a hundred. Spider-Man Prime, Gwen, Goddess of Thunder, Felix Faust, and Star Sapphire with the Sapphire Ring. Yeah. Uh, but then how'd you do? Uh, so that one, I played uh, a guy named Guadam. Uh, he that's, played an unfeeling... Guadam? Guadam, yeah. He's he's one of our Chicago crew, although he moved out to California. He actually flew okay. back to the event. Yeah, he was a nice guy to play. Um, he played a uh, unthemed uh, Venom Magneto. He played Guy Gardner, the Prime Wonder Woman with the Lantern Ring, Maggot, and Faust. And uh, he won map and chose to go map and let me go first. So he moved up pretty quick on his second turn, and uh, we just kind of I kind of ran at him pretty quick to try to get Faust off the map. And uh, Faust is one of those characters for me where it always works really well and against me when someone else plays them. And when I play them, I'm rolling the one so people get the doubles of the use of power. (laughs) It just always happens. So uh, I tried to outwit and do a prob, and every time I rolled fives on him, so I wasn't able to do anything up there. I think I finally got an outwit on him, but I took Faust off pretty quick, uh, and then we were just kind of rolling dice, uh, and I was able to pick him apart pretty um, uh, solidly. Um, but that one ended up going, uh, I won 155 to 60. I think he took out my Arachnite. Okay. Faust is your Masamura blade, is what you're telling me. Yes. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Mess with me in uh, Orlando, too. Uh, but you're going into round three, two and all currently. Mm-hmm. And then Christine, fortunately, is 0 and 2, and Matt's 1 and 1. Dan, how'd you do round two? Uh, I think that was my second Genesis Apocalypse team in round two. I think I, I think I played like four out of my five rounds were or was it three out of five? I, I played a lot of Genesis Apocalypse teams during that time. Um, I can't remember what else was on that team though on um, during the second match. I think it was a uh, 150 point Apocalypse 
uh, Prime Wonder or the, sorry, the Death Metal Wonder Woman at fifty, Genesis. Um, oh, it was a Faust and a Star Sapphire, and the Faust did the same thing to me. He basically just hid in the corner, and with the eight squares, I just couldn't really do anything because yeah, I have I can pick probably not with with Scarlet Witch, but every time he just rolled like a five or a six, so. I just was eating the damage every time I tried to do something like that. Um, uh, he tried to barrier me in with uh, Star Sapphire and the Fire Hydrant, but I was able to uh, go in with Spider-Man, just pick up the barrier and slap her with it, so that was nice. I just I just knocked her out instantly, so I didn't have to deal with the Fire Hydrant. Um, but, yeah, I think I ended up losing... Oh, that was my mistake. I, 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 played, uh, I misplayed because the Magician was up, and... His entire team has Mystics. So, uh, but I, I think we talked about it later and I misunderstood how the Magician works. So I don't think I should have taken two unavoidable damage from Apocalypse with Soul Sword. So I would have actually been able to survive it with Scarlet Witch. But that was why I lost. I think it was like, that was my biggest like uh, loss of the day was I think I lost 165 points that match. Okay, so you're you're going zero and two in the round three. It sounds like, yeah. Okay, um, and so the the magician again does it gives everybody mystics, but then if they already have mystics, it's unavoidable. Yeah. Okay. But it's the interaction with the soul sword is because the soul sword effect is separate. So I, the way it, I believe it should work is that you either have to pick to use the soul sword effect or the magician effect. Not you don't get both. That sounds right, but assuming consistency is always a foolish thing. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm just going based off of like wording is that you shouldn't be able to do the two unavoidable with the soul sword because it's it's when they use mystics. Uh, it's so it's like the instead of with the magician. So uh, that should be able. To, you should have to make a choice with those two then effects. At least that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. But I just. Yeah. The magician I, says if you have it printed on your base when they use it, they deal one unavoidable damage instead. So you can't really combine the soul yeah. sword and just assume then that that deal one is now deal two because of the interaction with the soul sword. So it should have been either one unavoidable or the, which I think that honestly trumps even the soul sword. Yeah, so that was my fault for not understanding that. I really don't play tarot that often, so uh, that is my lack of experience with using tarot cards in general. So that was just that that one was completely on me for screwing that up. Okay. Uh and then Ken, how did you do round 2? So round 2 I faced off against Isaac, but not uh not that Isaac who uh is a friend of Lucas's. He was playing um Blue Marvel uh I think Sakari and Iron Man. Is this Isaac Isaac Denki? Yeah. Yeah, he played uh, Spider-Man Prime, Blue Marvel, Chip, Sicarian, uh, Magneto, and Deadpool. Did not Arachnite, that's right. And in that game, uh, I I think he wanted to go first and give me map. I chose Oscorp Warehouse, which he likes because he's doing a lot of Force Blast knockback. And this is a place where my understanding of the rules, as they've changed over time or not changed... I thought Force Blast, Pulse Wave, the knockback used to happen before your powers came back on. 
and that they didn't anymore. But it turns out it's still that way. So yeah. if you blast someone into a wall with Pulse Wave, you're going to deal them extra damage, even if they have a reducer. So that was a rude awakening for me. But I chose that map because it's perfect for Scarlet Witch with the Angler between its small size and the fact that there's walls um, just about everywhere. Walls are blocking just about everywhere. So he came out with Blue Marvel, hit my team, hurt a lot of people bad. And then I came back with Scarlet Witch swaps to Angler, erases Blue Marvel's powers. Uh, Arachnite comes around the side and kills him. And I can't remember if he healed up off of that. And then uh, essentially that was like a wash and repeat where once, once she's got the Angler and she's out in the middle part of that map, I don't know if you know that map, it's kind of like rooms along the edges and then a big area in the middle with columns. She's quite free to, to bounce around and re-hex. And uh, that, that allowed me to, uh, to knock his pieces out one by one. Um, and Arachnid is just a, a clobbers thing. So that game might have gone a different way. I, don't, I can't really say, but it definitely went definitively my way. Okay. But, <clears throat> at, this then... point, at this point, I'm 2-0 and, oh and, and with 600 points. Nice. Uh, round three, I'll read Matt's first. Uh, he said, round three, he went against the very own Scott Crampton. Uh, Scott took me to the woodshed, he says. Uh, he beat me 235-235. It was a great learning experience playing from an accomplished player. It was interesting watching him think through his turns. He is just an entertaining in person as he is on his podcast, a fun team. Uh, so he lost. Uh, Matt's going in around four, one and two. Ryan, how did Christine do? Uh, Christine had another close one. She played Robert McCants, and uh, she lost 130 to 160. Oh, close. Yeah, that was another close one. Uh, Robert played Prime Spider-Man, uh, Joe Mullen, Deathstroke, Saint Walker, Madam Web, Carnage, and Marvella. Uh, Ryan, how'd you do round three? Uh, so round three, I played... Uh, he actually had a lot of the pieces that I was playing also. It was uh, Brody Bobbledyke. Uh I ended up beating him 300 to 10. Um, I had a lot of stuff that went well my way. Pretty quick, He, uh, I had the tarot card pop up where you can't use improved targeting, but if you have stealth, you can place within six. So he uh, he carried and placed and uh, with that card and ended up getting Spider-Man Noir all the way into my back row on a uh, two by three map and took out one of my carnages right away. Uh, and then after he passed the turn, I was able to take out his Spider-Man Noir. And I think he was like 75 points right out of the gate and then kind of just met in the middle and uh, just uh, slugged it out. And uh, it went my way. So I ended up going uh, three, 300 to 10 at the end. Very nice. Uh, so three, and zero going in around four. Mm-hmm. Dan, how did round three go for you? I won round three. I played against a Emperor Gladiator team. It was Emperor Gladiator, Kang the Conqueror, and Koi, uh, all at 100 points. Um, so I, I won map. I put him on Widow's Lair. I, he picked the outside, obviously, because he has Gladiator, um, and he moved up a little bit. I moved up and barriered in front of the doorway so that he had to shoot multiple pieces of barrier. Um he did not. Uh, I also had placed some hindering terrain inside the layer so that I could move up, and I had, like, Spider-Man has stealth, Metamweb has stealth, so I was able to move up and just kind of sit there without having to really worry about um, 
them shooting at me because nobody had IT hindering. Um, then I was able to do the uh, Madam Web thing with Deathstroke, and I phased him through a wall. I pulse waved um, to force Gladiator to remove his token. And then um, Spider-Man just chewed him up, unfortunately. Nice. So going, you're now one and two going in round four. Still a chance. Still a chance. Uh, Ken, how'd you do round three? So round three, I faced Lucas. The first time he had, I'll give you a rundown of his team because it's interesting. World's Finest, Sakarian Iron Man with the cloak, of course. Venom, Magneto, Mad Jim, Molecule Man. The Flash, 30-point Super Rare, and the Commissioner, and the Carnage Colossal. And I came out, once again, I was in the Oscorp warehouse, and I think this the, the real lesson for me in this game is I underestimated World's Finest and overestimated uh, Arachnite's survivability. I had the opportunity to have Arachnite go out, KO something small, uh, and then do his roll and blink to another place to finish his flurry. And I, I put him on the far end of the map thinking I was just going to chew up people. And I did do quite a bit of damage, but what I didn't count on was him being able to land enough attacks to force me to revive Spider-Man. And it basically, after he, he basically got me on my back foot. This is my only loss of the day. He got me 300 points. I couldn't tell you what I got from him. I think it was something substantial. I think I got like 180 from him. So there was, you know, there was quite a bit of beating up. But I had never played World's Finest against World's Finest in the hands of a competitive player, only casual. And I learned quite a few lessons about that piece. All right, fair enough. So you're going, so that's a loss for you. So you are 2-1 and one going in the round four. Yeah. Uh, so round four, Matt says, uh, another person, I don't remember his name. I would also like to note that he did not say you were a nice person, whoever you face in the fourth round. So if you do listen to the show, just remember, Matt does not think you're a nice person. Just put that out there. Uh, he says, I won a 85-85 roll-off, uh, and he played a Genesis Apocalypse team. So Matt is now 2-2 two and two going into round five. Ryan, how did Christine do? Uh, trying to find it. She she was 0 and three. Yes. Uh, this one. So I forget if it was last the last match or this match, but I think she ended up crit missing twice with a sky tyrant when she needed to hit, and Ooh. she ended up losing this one 85 to 80. So it was another really close uh. one. So yeah. All right. And then how did you do? So I ended up playing for match four. I played uh, Rob uh, Olger, who came in second place. He had the um, Sarkarian mm. Iron Man with the cloak. And then that was pretty much his main offense. The rest of it was just trying to get you to miss and limit your actions. So he played two of the Saturnines uh, from the slop. Uh, he played Merlin, uh, who I played him before, too. I like him a lot more than a lot of other people do. Uh, that actually did hurt me quite a bit, having to limit my free actions. Uh, then he also played two Mr. Sinisters, um, and before that he did like a little X-Men swap so he could get a sword in uh, with Professor X. Yeah, he had um, um, Mr. Sinister, Professor X, and Bay of the Blood Moon on his main Yeah, course. so he yeah, he took out Bay and uh, Professor X and put in another, uh, he put in Moira and Mr. Sinister. 
so that he had two of the Mr. Sinisters that could make you crit miss. Uh, and then he would just power action with Moira to get the ones. So I played uh, in Orlando. I played against a similar team that just was basically trying to make you miss and not allow it to hit it, except it was a little bit more of a defensive shell. So um, he ended up... I lost map again, and so or first player. So he chose to go first and let me choose map. Um, and so I took him to the four points, the dragon map. And looking at his team, the Circarian Iron Man was really the most offensive piece. So I wasn't expecting him to do this, but turn one, before he even went, I either decided I was going to just try to go after Sarkarian, uh, or just kind of go and ignore him and just try to kind of pulse wave and force blast the rest of his team. But his turn, um, the first turn that he was able to take and attack me, he came over right away and uh, did an energy explosion on my um, carnage that was adjacent to Madam Web. So he hit that, and then he was right in front of my starting area for the most part. And so after, that was all he did in his second turn. So I actually came at him um, and decided to just go do damage through knockback and um, putting elevated under him with the symbiote Spider-Man. So I was just uh, moving, placing it, and then um, sidestepping to remove it again, and then I would force blast him. And so I had him almost dead, and the card comes up. And I would just um, outwit him so that he couldn't remove tokens or try to move away or anything like that. And so my tarot card comes up where if it's uh, if you have stealth, you can move within six into hindering. And so he chose stealth and ended up uh, being able to get away from that. And then after that, he TK'd back, and I had to make a move because he was up um, with the 10 points on Carnage. So I moved up my Symbiote Spider-Man to try to do it again. And my uh, Sarkarian Iron Man was tokened out, so I had to skip a turn with him. And right when I was going to go into the turn before I was going to be able to go in and finish the Iron Man, he crit hit my Symbiote Spider-Man uh, with his Mr. Sinister. So that one extra damage on the crit hit, um, I wasn't able to roll senses. And I got taken off super senses, so I had to drop the elevated terrain. So I ended up just killing one of the Mr. Sinisters. So I you got mean, 45 You mean points. super strength, not super senses, right? Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah, the crit hit, I wasn't able to roll super senses. Oh, gotcha. Because um, I had a four through six with that. Uh, and I believe I had a six on Madam Web to help me um, also ignore it. But the uh, the crit hit, I wasn't able to use super senses. Right. Um, but then that put me to su uh, um, off of super strength, so I had to drop the elevated terrain. So I ended up just attacking Sinister, killed Sinister, um, and then I ran up with... Uh, I lost my Arachnite to a flurry from his Sarkarian, uh, and then I ended up running up so, uh, my Sarkarian to try to pulse wave. So I pulse wave a bunch of his team and got his... Uh, Sarkarian on to his last click, and so uh, time was called, and then he ended up winning eighty to forty-five. Wow! So, yeah, it was it was a really good game. Um, it was kind of crazy how much the tarot. It's one of the things where like I don't feel like the tarot helped me my first three matches, and it definitely hurt me my second two matches. Um, but I almost took out a Sarkarian with uh, exclusively with knockback damage and uh, taking out elevated terrain from under him. Good and way it, to do it. And it was your tarot <laughs> card that hurt you, correct? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it makes you almost not want to play them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so you're going three and one going into round five. Yeah. Dan, you are one and two going into round four. How'd you do? This is my third Genesis Apocalypse team that I fought that day. 
So I've, I've, I had had it by that point. Um, this was another monster mashup. So it was like Venom Wolverine. Um, they actually played Professor X and what else was it? Something else. Um, but he immediately swapped them out for, I think, Venom Mags and um, Jubilee because they won maps. So he took me to Otherworld's Castle. Um, thankfully, I had some hindering that I was able to place. So uh, he couldn't actually shoot me with Jubilee right away, which was nice because uh, he like double TK'd her up and uh, just kind of sat there, unfortunately, which was weird. Um, uh, but I was able to win, actually. The, the thing that hurt me that I... I struggled against during that match was the Venom Wolverine had the all black Necro Sword, which pretty much neuters my team. Um, because Venom Wolverine has exploit, and most of my team relies on rollouts, so Spider Man's the only one with uh, like a big time reducer. Um, so that was unfortunate. Uh, Deathstroke came in pretty clutch there a couple times, although I did miss on the full save twice, which sucks, but the third time actually worked, thankfully. So I was able to knock some people around. Uh, he called in Destroyer, and um, so but I was able to. Two tap destroyer with Spider Man because I walked Marvella up next to him, and then Spider Man came into flurry, so I hit him twice for five. So that was a nice, like, good hundred points. Um, so I ended up winning that one. I got lucky. It was one of those where um, I just made it. Like I killed his Venom Mags immediately, and I was able to kill Jubilee as well with Spider Man. Um, thankfully, uh, and I just was able to make him so he wasn't as mobile, and then I just kind of uh, used the terrain against him at that point. Um, and just uh, I got away from him uh, before time was called, so I got lucky there. But uh, it was I. I definitely struggled against. That was the team I struggled against with all the free damage from like Genesis Apocalypse because the the pulse wave was uh, not consistent. Because then they would just kill Deathstroke. I'd be like, well, I'm gonna get this once, and then that's about it. So that was that was tough to be able to make that work. Um, and then again, Scarlet Witch trying to place her to do the rune marker is tough. Because uh, that wasn't really my goal with her. If I was able to do it, I tried, but I wasn't able to do it in that match. So there was no benefit for me there, unfortunately. Okay, but you're 2-2 two and two going into uh, round 5, which means there is still a chance that you get on the button. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, Ken, how did you do round 4? So round 4, I played someone named Cody, a younger person. And they were playing a detective team with Martian Manhunter and... Uh, Super Rare Prime, Green Lantern, Batman, and World's Finest. And uh, for them, they had on World's Finest, they had uh, all bre- all black the Necro Sword. Uh, so I, I learned a lesson here too. So first, they did not see the Angler Scarlet Witch angle coming at all. They came up midfield with um, Martian Manhunter and Batman Prime. And I just blinked her out so they were in the radius and put them in the hex. That Martian Manhunter's protection against attacks is a power, so it turns off. And then I ran uh, Arachnite around the back of the hex to attack, which is, that was pretty much my standard operating procedure. So I I knocked out his Martian Manhunter right away. I hate everybody having outsiders, and I I hate that he stops free actions. Um, He came back with... Um, world's finest and hit Scarlet Witch. The All Black ignores her, um, ignores her super senses and shape change. And what I didn't know, it says damage can't be reduced less than one. That includes any knockback damage they deal. And they knocked her back into a wall because of the super strength. We later realized that he didn't have super strength, 
when he hit her, but it didn't matter. I I used Wonder Woman to revive her, and then I, I chewed up the rest of his team. But uh, that was a good match. Again, good demonstration of me underestimating World's Finest. But in the end, I swept that one 300. Um, they did uh, kill quite a bit of my team, so it was it was not uh, it was not a, a cakewalk by any means. But um, at the end, I got full points. So you're kind of sitting pretty going into round five because you are three and one with nine hundred something points right now. So there's a good chance as long as you don't um, suck, <laughs> I guess is the better term. Yeah. Uh, round five, you're going to be getting into top sixteen. Yeah, I should pull my sheet. I'm trying to remember what I got from Lucas. I'm, I might have only gotten like 80 points from Lucas, in which case I'd have been at 65. like 90. But I was I was definitely pretty far up there in points. All right. But I'm terrible at tournament math, so I just assumed I couldn't lose the last round. That's okay. I'm terrible at regular math. Uh, so <laughs> round five comes around, and uh, Matt uh, says, round five, nice kid named Brody. So, again, I'd like to reiterate, he played a nice person in round five, but not in round four. Uh, just putting that out there. Um, and he said he played a Spider-Man family, and he won. He beat, or he won, meaning Brody, the guy he played against, 85 to 20. His super senses were hot, so that left Matt being two and three, pretty much out of contention and being top 16. Uh, Ryan, how did Christine do? Uh, <clears throat> Christine played uh, uh I think a younger guy named uh, Cameron. Uh, she ended up clearing him three hundred to zero on that one. I think it was one of um, his f- first tournaments. Kind of taken out all of her aggression from the past four rounds on this poor kid. The first tournament ever. Now he'll never want to play ever again. <laughs> so no, good she on did you. Say, like everything was was actually like they were all really fun. Like everyone had fun like on all the matches. It was they were really good games. Yeah. Uh, and then how'd you do round five, Ryan? <clears throat> so round five, uh, I played Jay Major's team, which was ridiculous. The Genesis. <laughs> so yeah. it was prize Genesis, two prize Apocalypses, two Carnage Silver Surfers, a Death Metal Wonder Woman. All of those had Soul Swords, uh, and then a Colossal Carnage, uh, and I think that was everything. Uh, I want so, to yeah. that on the HC units listing here, where whoever entered these gave them names. They named James team. Jay's team, the money team. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you <laughs> have your own store is you can just get all this stuff at yeah. whatever you at whatever cost. Probably the highest dollar value team fielded. Yeah, that's a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, he had the and then the colossal carnage um, on top of that. So uh, I lost map for the fifth time in a row. Uh, he decided to let me go first, and he wanted to pick map, so he brought me to the um, the Bat Cave. <clears throat> and uh, I didn't. I know the uh, the Silver Surfers. Their speed isn't great, and their range isn't great with the hypersonic. And uh, so I ended up actually barriering up for the first time all day to kind of see what he was going to do. And he just basically put everyone on Genesis's shoulders and just started marching them across. So I ended up doing two barriers um, because of the way that the um, the starting area is for the Bat Cave. Uh, you can't get without leaving your starting area. You can't get both. Um, objects very easily to Sarkarian uh, without like a TK or something uh, because you have to put them five apart and it's the, what is it, a 4 by 4 or something? The little square starting area in the corner? 
It's yeah. not a standard starting area. Um, so I ended up actually burying a second time, so I'd be able to pick two pieces, and he just seemed like he was going to march across, and uh, with the Silver Surfers being able to ignore Elevated, uh, and there being a lot of Elevated, I figured I would be better off if I just kind of let him come a little closer. So this is uh, another time where the tarot cards ended up really messing with me, but uh, his rollouts are really what just killed the game for me. Um, I was hitting pretty much all my attacks, um, but his rollouts with the... Um, the soul swords, not even the super senses for most of them, or not the, the, just having blades, um, were crazy. The uh, first attack I had, I was able to actually get a silver surfer down to his last click um, because of the carnage. Uh, but then we realized after we were, I was going to my next move that I had the tarot card that increases super senses by plus one. So he ended up clicking him back up and because uh, then he would have hit it. Uh, but then I was hitting with, um, he just kind of slowly took a couple of points at a time and, uh, I kept hitting and then I would miss because of the, the rollout with the blades. So I ended up losing my Gwen and bringing in, um, the Gwenable Hulk. She's got a printed five and every time he would roll out of that with the blades as well too. So I'd, I'd hit once of the flurries and then the other one he'd roll out of. Uh, and then the same thing with the uh, the symbiote Spider-Man with the flurries. Uh, he's got a four-printed damage, um, and so he'd be able to roll that blades roll out twice because he had the two prize apocalypses. So if he didn't hit it on the first one, he was hitting it on the second one. Um, and then I realized, like almost at the end of the game, that he had a prime destroyer that um, we weren't actually even rolling for. So. I think, honestly, the best thing that could have happened to me was he brought that guy in, and uh, I had a chance at getting 100 points off him with all the flurries I had and the high damage. Um, so it ended up being 95 to 0, um, and not getting any points uh, in that game just kind of killed me. So that was it. I en ended up 3-2 and two after those last two games. Yeah, getting zero points, <clears throat> excuse me, in a last round is really rough. You'd need to get at least 50 or so points because really at that round five, everyone's scrapping for points as much as they can just to get them into that top 16 spot. Yeah, the rollouts were crazy. I mean, I seriously was hitting almost every single attack, and then it was either um, like fives or sixes on every single one of those blades rolls out rollouts. But yeah, that was my day. Uh, and then Dan, how'd you do round five? Uh, so this was uh, a non-theme. It was Soldier Supreme at 75. It was the... Um, who's the Blue Lantern guy? The super air? Oh, um, Saint Walker. Walker. He, uh, it was him. It was the uh, Time Dilation Spidey with uh, Galactus on him. Aunt May uh, and Scarlet Witch, I believe. I can't remember if there's anything else on his team. I think that was the majority of it. Um... So I won maps, so I put him on Widow's Lair again. Um, I unfortunately got kind of tied up with Scarlet Witch. Like, he ran in with Soldier Supreme. Uh, he missed, and then I was able to pulse wave him with Deathstroke for five, but then he moved up with Scarlet Witch, rune markered, and then ran Soldier Supreme back to Aunt May and then healed him, which was unfortunate. And then I was pretty much stuck dealing with Scarlet Witch. Um, I was able to get her to last click, but I just couldn't seem to finish her. Um, and then he tried to come around on the other side of the the map, so I cut him off, and then I was able to pulse wave him again, uh, and I hit Soldier Supreme again for five, and then he tried to come in with Spider-Man. He missed, 
I pulse waved again. I hit Spider Man for five, so he ran Spider Man away. Because um, I I don't know if that would have scored if I would have got Spidey and Galactus if I KO'd Spidey. I don't I don't remember how Galactus works. Um, but unfortunately, we just didn't kill anything with each other. What was that? You'd score Galactus if you killed Spidey. Okay, that's what I thought. So I would have got like a hundred points right there. Um, unfortunately, we just like. I was doing a lot of damage, but I couldn't finish anything because he would just run them away as soon as I did anything to them. Um, so we ended up in a 0-0 loss. So I, I, we, we rolled off and I lost, unfortunately, because I rolled a 4. So that was my that was my big game 5. Alright, so unfortunately no one from the Clicksing It crew made it to the top 16. Ryan was the closest. Ryan, do you know how close you got by chance or did they not tell you? Um, they ended up doing prizing um, in between Swiss and uh, top 16. I think I ended up at like 20th or something like that, okay. 19 or 20. So those, yeah, so... I, think I, was, I think I was 33rd in total. So I wasn't like great, but I felt all right with how I played for what I brought. And then, Ken, how did you do round five? So round five, I fought Max Kenkel, who had twin Arachnites, Legacy Apocalypse, Mad Jim. And Chip, and very clever team here. Chip had the Green Lantern ring. So with Mad Jim, he can swap different equipment onto Chip. He can give a Sinestro ring to Apocalypse. And his his plan was to... Um, so I kind of shelled up. We were on the Oscorp warehouse again. I, I can't remember if he won map or I did, or he won the roller I did, but I would usually choose to go second to get that map. So I, I pretty much got to play that map all day because most people wanted to go first. And um, I shelled up and he came through and broke. You know, the thing with, with putting up barriers, people can get through it, but it limits what they can do. And I kind of had Faust out there. As, I wouldn't call him bait exactly, but is expendable. And he came up, got through my barrier, hit Faust with Arachnite, who's got precision strike. And I lucked out and rolled a six on Super Senses. So I, I would have revived him at that point in the game, but I didn't even have to do that. So that left his Arachnite in, in, in range for which to do her angler pop and turn off powers, and that, that allowed me to collect his Arachnite really fast. He, he told me later that he kind of plans on, on being able to sacrifice an Arachnite because he's got the other one. He's got APOC and his bystanders, but... I, I, in this case, I don't think it helped him. And, and once again, which, once she's in that open space, you know, on the following turn, she can use the angler to move yet again. I moved up further, and I got his other arachnite in one shot. So I, I killed off his two arachnites, and I was jockeying around with his um, uh, versus his uh, apocalypse and the bystanders, and they were doing a bit of damage. But in the end, I I took him down. Very nice. <clears throat> so yeah, uh, we'll talk about your run to the championship in a second, but I do want to give credit to the top 16 people because I feel like I'm not, people don't get enough credit for getting the top 16. Uh, so uh, we got Ryan Fiddle, uh, Robbie uh, McCl- McClance, Patrick Fraser, Max Kentel, Isaac Denke, David Newmaker, uh, Denton Boladek, Boladike. I think. I think it's Bottle Dyke. Bottle Dyke. Uh, Dean Ferguson, which I would like to give him extra kudos because he got to top 16 with a full dial apocalypse. So congratulations on that. 
Jalen Major. Uh, also, Tyler Smith got an interesting team in the top 16. He played the washer at 40. Kingpin Prime, Mantis, Peeper, the Riddler, and Indigo uh, in I wanna, one. I want to talk about his team for a minute. So Go ahead. Tyler's, Tyler's another one of our local crew. And um, so I've played against this team several times. And it it really, sometimes you win against it and sometimes you don't. But it, I, I asked Tyler after three or four rounds how much damage he had dealt that day. And I think he said he had dealt damage twice. <laughs> His entire team is built around mission points. And and now that it's been out there, it's no secret. I was not going to talk about it beforehand. But he's got the starter set watcher that you can set to any click. And he's got Indigo 1. So on his even on his first turn before immunity's over, he's going to switch that watcher to a click further down the dial and then heal him back up and gain a mission point. So he gets two to four mission points before you can even do anything. Riddler gets mission points from uses of perplex on perplexed characters. The Watu for rerolls, and then Kingpin for knocking people back if they hit things. I don't see a Watu on here. Was that a miss? He might have taken him, he might have taken him off. Because he has peepers on here, not Uwatu. Well, he's not. So, you know, he did. He took he took Uwatu off. Uwatu is probably not. He's he's evolved this team over time. He's got Mantis on there, too, which is new. I've never played this exact variant. Um, so it looks like he's added Mantis and Peeper, taken off Uwatu and something else. Oh, and he used to have Teen Lantern on it for some extra barrier. I mean, the original idea was Turtle and just heal before you could get through to him. And I, I disabused him of the notion that he could stay safe that long. But his uh, the kingpin is hard to kill, but more importantly, since he can knock back instead of doing damage, um, he can get quite a few mission points for knocking people back. And then the, the I don't want to call it the secret sauce, but the really underrated figure here is Peacemaker. He can get the 10 mission points pretty quickly, which means... When a mission point character dies, Peacemaker can come out, and he gets mission points pretty quickly. Yeah, just by so, using prob, right? Yeah, so when you play against Tyler, it is always a race. And when he loses, he often loses with like 18, 19 mission points. So did he win most of his games with mission points, I'm assuming? Yes. Very nice. And I think he must have, I don't know if he went 4-1. and one. I don't think he could have made it 3-2 and two because when he loses, he generally has zero points. Uh, yeah, he didn't we... expect to do this well. He mostly wanted to come. He's quite a. He has quite a a, a, a Loki type personality, I guess I would say, where he wants to cause mischief, and he just wanted to come be a, a monkey wrench in the works. And he was quite ecstatic to make the top sixteen. Very nice. Well, congratulations, Tyler. Uh, then we had Jay Major, Alex Mater, Corey Gould. Is it Gould or Gold? I don't know. Okay, uh, we'll go with Gould. Uh, Lucas, Rob, um, Olger, and then obviously you can. So um, you don't have to talk in detail about the you know top sixteen, top eight, four, and two, and whatever. Uh, but if there's anything that maybe stood out in the game before the finals, here's your time to talk about that. I'll, I'll go through them pretty quick. Um, I fought Max K again right after beating him immediately. So we were back to back matches. So he had his chance at a rematch, and this time he knew better than to be careless with the arachnites but he put his 
he missed he did not expect me to use Star Sapphire's TK and the Angler to get Scarlet Witch out. And that allowed me to put um, Apocalypse himself, because he moved him forward, uh, into the and, and almost his entire team into the zone. And uh, I couldn't really see most of them because they're behind blocking, but I could see Apocalypse. And I just shot the crap out of him um, with no mastermind to save him. And I, I took him down pretty quick. And uh, the Arachnites put up a fight, and there was a lot of missing back and forth with us, but I had the revive uh, and characters with a lot of stop clicks. And I haven't talked about this much. Most of my team has the Mystics team ability. Certainly a lot of it does. So his, uh, his Arachnites were taking quite a bit of damage from attacking me. So um, that game, I, I won that game as well. He gave it a good shot with a different strategy. Following him... Um, I played Lucas again, and this is what I was worried about. And uh, Lucas this time decided to choose map instead of go first. And he chose uh, the um, Weird World Castle. And he put out uh, Saki Iron Man about one-third of the way down the map from his starting area, presumably as bait. I don't. I didn't ask him. But it did give me a chance to shoot him, and I shot him hard with Scarlet Witch and Faust. Um causing him to burn one object and to take a lot of damage. and um, But that put me in position for him to, to strike back. But when he struck back, I think he killed Faust pretty quick, but he brought in World's Finest to try to hit Scarlet Witch, and they uh, missed and then crit missed. on, or I think they may have hit, and I think I probed him into a crit miss. And they only have three clicks. I popped a hex and uh, finished them off pretty quickly after that, and then and from that point he was struggling. He had he had rookie. Uh, it's the only time all day I made a catcher's mitt, which helped make rookie miss again. I had tons of prob on this team. It, it's kind of the seed of the idea behind the team when I made it was how much prob could I put in an otherwise uh, well balanced team, and um, ultimately I got him. I, I just one by one I knocked out his pieces as he he tried to to knock through my shell. My witch never was in any serious danger. I think I did have to revive my Arachnite, but he got some points, but I felt I felt good having uh, beaten Lucas since he was the only person up to that point who had beaten me. And then um, that took us to the final round. I was watching Rob and Corey's game, and they actually... Oh, I, I guess actually... No, there's... Uh, I played in there. I also played Jalen Major. And that game was a sloppy mess. Um, that could have gone either way. Um, it, we both had Scarlet Witches. He popped a hex on me, but his own team was in the hex somewhat. And then I used the Angler to get my Witch in there uh, and also pop a hex. So we had overlapping Witch Hexes. Uh, we beat each other up. I mean, if that game had gone on another five minutes, there's a good chance I would have lost it. I, I beat him by 20 points. It was... Uh, uh, 180 to 160. And this, I, feel, I don't feel great about, but I realized after the fact that I'd forgotten to drop objects, he might have been able to destroy them. I don't think he would have been able to destroy 20 points worth of objects. But um, but it came down to uh, my Mad Jim, Wonder Woman, and Witch against his Witch and Sakari and Iron Man. It was a, 
yeah, that was a, a bloody fight. Um, and then I was watching Rob and Corey play. They tied at 90 each. They made a similar misplay with forgetting to put down objects. And, and uh, uh, the way that PJ scored it is if someone could have destroyed an object, they would have. I was right at the end. They ended up at a 90-90 points tie, I think. And they rolled off. And I was just watching that roll off with bated breath because I really didn't want Rob to win the roll off with his Merlin and those Saturnines and, and, and uh, those um, Sinisters because my team has a zillion. They don't like not having those free actions. And looking at Corey's team, I thought I had a good chance of taking it down. But Rob won it, and that brought us to the final round. And uh, we've already talked about Rob's team. He's designed to make you miss. He's going to load up with uh, rally dice with ones, so you're pretty much guaranteed a critical miss or at least a miss. Um, he had a tarot card, the tower, which means all misses are critical misses. And, um, you know, as normal, I barriered up, and he did have a way through it, of course. But the, the goal of the barrier is not to stop people, it's to slow them down. And he brought Sakarian Iron Man right into my starting area and pulse waved and uh, did a lot of damage. And the tower was up, and I, I literally took it on the chin, trying to burn through his Saturnine dice drops and his rally dice um, just so I could use them up so I could get some damage. And I got a Sakarian Iron Man down to his, his last couple of clicks. And this is where I made a critical error. I did not outwit his plasticity. I had plasticity also, and I had remembered the rule wrong. thought I had him fairly tied up. But when you have plasticity, you don't care about other people having plasticity or not. Still break away on anything but a one. He broke away, sidestepped, got out, got back. Um, I had a follow-up turn where my hurt arachnite was going out. I think he actually had, at this point, caused me to revive my arachnite. So I'd used up my Wondering Wind Revive. And I, I only rolled a, a two for the roll, so I only got up to a stop click and not passed it. And he had his Merlin out there, too. And I was like, I'm going to have to sidestep in, steal energy. And he had a Sinister, his Saki, and Merlin all sort of bunched up. And I thought, I'm going to go in there. I had the tarot card that gave, gives you an extra flurry if you miss. So he was out of rally dice. And I'm like, if I can roll a couple of sevens or better with my 12 attack, I'll, I'll get him to use the Saturnines up. And I, I figured it out. I had up to four attacks on him. Couldn't roll sevens. Couldn't finish it off. Brought my Green Lantern out to boot his Merlin out of the way, at least. And... He fired back at my Green Lantern and hit him, but I made my KC team save. And it was right about then that time was called. And we looked down and realized that nobody had been KO'd. Not, not for good, anyway. I had used my revive. And it was like, usually you think of a 0-0 zero, zero game as two people turtling and positioning and playing cat and mouse. It's like, no, we were right at each other's throats the whole time. So we rolled off. I rolled a 9 and I was ecstatic. What did he roll, out of curiosity? Uh, something low, like a three or a four or five. So his last was, his last two games were roll-offs. <laughs> his last two games were roll-off. My last game was roll-off. And I, I heard, I think it was on another podcast, someone saying, oh, yeah, that's Modern Clicks. 
games going to roll offs, and I'm like, it was not that kind of game. It was it was not like those old worlds games that they used to have where people would refuse to engage because they didn't want to take the first shot. It was like, no, we we went at each other. We were also, I would dare say, playing sloppy, both of us. I mean, I won't speak for Rob, but he made a comment about being feeling very blasted, and I know that there were moves I could have made that I could have scored some points, even even with a little bit of risk, just so it wouldn't have been zero. But, uh, you know, when you're that tired, you get an idea in your head, and you kind of get obsessed with it. And I, I could have shot with Spider-Man and had a better chance of, it, of hitting. I could have killed his Sinister in retrospect without much difficulty. And all I could think of was, like, I got to hit the steel energy on Spider-Man. Yeah, and you were saying, you know, you're tired. Uh, a lot of people don't take in consideration mental fatigue for this game. Uh, Ryan and Dan, did the tur- what time did the tournament start, 11 or 12? I think we got um, registration yeah, was at 10, and we were supposed to get rolling at 10.30. I think we got started about 10.45 a.m. Okay, so we'll, we'll round up to 11 o'clock, and then Ryan, Dan, when was your last game for round? Like, when did you finish round five? Uh, three five, four forty five. No, it was no, later, wasn't it? Well, I thought it was like three thirty. We were done. I thought. I think it was four. I think it was four thirty, because we broke for dinner, and we had till uh, till five forty five. I think. Oh, you had to come back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you edited around four thirty, four twenty five. So that's but that's still five hours. So it sounded like they got things going pretty quick, but in between rounds. Um, but then you yeah, had dinner, and then you had running a really tight ship. Yeah, you had dinner, and then you had the Scott Porter stream. Was that during dinner or after dinner? Uh, honestly, I don't even know where it was. We didn't get it going. Oh, you didn't. Okay. okay. No, I brought a projector, but we couldn't do it, and the timing was off. We were trying to end around around the time that the stream was to start, and it went longer. Then we were going to play it out of sync over dinner but i brought a projector but there was too much light in the room you couldn't really see it okay um and then ken when did you end your last game our last match ended we had time just before 10 p.m okay so you were playing from 11 to 10 so yeah <laughs> 11 hours and we were super sensitive to it too because we only had the hall till 10 o'clock yeah uh that's kind of how it happened at florida with the Pauper Prince, at least for me and Ryan, you can talk quickly about the competitive, but I think we started at 11 or 12 for the Pauper Prince. And I think we ended our game at like 10 30, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know about what it was for you for Florida for the modern, but I, cause I know you got in a top 16. Uh, yeah, I made it to top eight. I don't remember how late it went though, but the mental fatigue is definitely a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I remember doing not nationals on roll twenty. Same thing. We started at ten, <clears throat> started at ten, yeah. and I think I I got to the semifinals and lost. But that was I want to say nine thirty, ten o'clock. Uh, and yeah, that's, we were, and that's we were staring tired. at a computer. That, that's not looking at actual people. That's staring at a screen for twelve hours. Yeah, that's even probably worse than uh, being in person. But no, it sounds like a great tournament. I'm sad that I missed it. Hopefully, I can make it next time. Uh, and overall, it sounds like PJ did a great event and excited for the next one. For everybody listening, just not in my role as player, but as my role as like you know one of the organizers, I want to just shout out everybody who came, everybody uh, 
was the the fellowship was great. More than half the field got fellowship votes. I never asked if I got any. Probably not. But um, the uh, th- and that speaks well to the fact that uh, the level of sportsmanship and the camaraderie was high. People were having fun, and I just and you know some people travel pretty far, and even if you didn't travel pretty far, I'm very appreciative for the people who came out. So I just thanks to everybody for coming and having a good time. It was our goal as the Chicago Clicks Mafia. Uh, you know, it was it's PJ's Kilted Clicksman event, but what we wanted to do, we've been wanting to do, is like we wanted to host a big game, invite a bunch of friends, our friends over, and play clicks, and that's what we got to do. And with PJ's help, branding it and and uh, promoting it, and you know, with his reputation, but you know. Our, our goal was to have a big day of fun, and we had it. So thanks for coming. And I don't know what tournament, big tournaments are going to be next, but uh, the Cheesehead Championship, August 26th, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Come on in my calendar. Come on it's out. It's easy hop for me. Yes, we did you move know, it. Last we, I came in second. Yep. And, and <clears> just a, right down to the last game where I just completely tripped on my own private parts and lost the last game after a great day yeah we did move it closer or we are potentially moving it closer i just have to talk to the manager that ryan plays at his store well that was a horrible sentence the store that ryan plays at the manager i have to talk to (laughs) to make sure it's okay because it's closer to chicago so i think we'll get more people from the south to come up rather than coming up all the way to milwaukee the store is bigger the biggest problem we had with the last one was we had to cap it at 20 people whenever you have a cap for a tournament it turns people away so i'll have to talk more with ryan and that manager that um the manager of the store he goes to to work that out. But do plan on August 26th for that. And I'll have more details uh, as the months come by. Uh, Before we talk about the figures that Scott Porter talked about on his stream, there are a couple of questions that we have on Facebook that I'm going to read off. Uh, Miles Kane, who uh, didn't come on the podcast today just because there was too many mouths to feed and he wasn't at the event, said, "Um, seeing I wasn't able to make it tonight, I want to know how Ken felt about Double Sinister. Now, Real quickly before Ken goes off, I feel like Sinister is a figure that people have been sleeping on. He worked great for me at the Pauper Prince, especially if you're on two of them. I didn't get that opportunity because it was Highlander rule. But what is it like going against Double Sinister, Ken? Uh, Double Sinister is great. And full credit to Rob for bringing a team which was unlike anything else there and also wasn't play to win or pay to win. I think that was one of the least expensive teams I fought against also. And um, I mean, he had Saki, but uh, that's a team anybody can play. Uh, not necessarily well. Rob played it extremely well. So I think it was creative. I liked it. And it's not insurmountable. I mean, you kind of have to accept that you're going to miss or critically miss and take it on the chin. I, one of my friends, he was there, Alex, played a team that was trying to force bad rolls also with Spiderlings from the starter set. So I kind of had a sense of how that was going to go, which is, you know, you have to burn through those dice. But I think it was brilliant. I think it was a smart play. And, you know, another day, a slightly different dice roll, and Rob would be talking here right now. So I'm going to give him full credit. Um, Mork Berg, who is one of our fans down in Australia, uh, he asks for everybody, 
Um, I said, how can we get our hands on a Scott Crampton bystander here in Australia? It's probably highly unlucky I can get one. Uh, I'll tell you right now, if you join the Huntington Disease Battle Royal Tournament that is going to be on Thursday, I forget the day, I want to say May 4th? Is that what it's Kind of Thursday. I mean, May 4th is a Thursday. Yeah, I think that's when the <laughs> Huntington Disease is happening. Is May fourth. Well, it's the it's the full weekend, the Thursday through that Sunday. Yeah, oh, I don't okay. know if they're doing online battle royales the whole time, but uh, I know they should ship there. You'll just have to pay a little bit more for shipping. Yeah. So if, if you, you win, yep. Um, do I, you just have to, do you just have to play in one, and they're just giving them out as a no? Thing? It's like the first place, second place, third place kind of stuff. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, let me double check on the dates for Huntington disease real quick before I do any false information. Yes, it is May 4th through the 7th. So May 4th is the online portion, plus you're doing events at um, Huntsville, Alabama, and then 5th and 6th, they're also doing events. So if you want to do some online battle royals on the 4th and you win, you'll be able to get yourself a Scott Crampton bystander along with um, some other bystanders as well that they're doing for that tournament. Uh, so that answers that question. Another question he had was for Ryan and Dan, are there any changes you would make to your teams now having played in the kilted or do you have any new teams in mind altogether now for your next tournament for silver age? Uh, well, I wanted to, I really wanted to play that prime Spider-Man. He's just awesome. Uh, I really liked my team. I think I just need to put a little bit more time into um, possibly changing the tarot cards or eliminating them and then looking at maps a little bit more. So It's very hard to practice for competitive play uh, and still be uh, a dad of two young kids as well. Yep. <laughs> it's not easy to practice. Um, but I either will stick with that team that I just played. Um, otherwise, I actually played a really close uh, team to Ken's team in... Um, Orlando that I did really like. Uh, the only difference was instead of uh, Ken, you had Star Sapphire and Green Lantern, the yeah. legacy. Yeah. Instead of them, I had um, the uh, the slop Saturnine with the cloak on her. Um, otherwise, it mm. was the same pretty much uh, team. Yeah, it's um, I I didn't copy this team from anybody, but I also do not claim it's original. It's search search for cheap PC pieces. Notice that half of them are or more of the mystical keyword. And go from right. there. It almost yeah, exactly. built, it almost built itself. Yeah, what I will, it the, you mentioned practice. I want to say, I practice more for this tournament than I have in ages, just because we finally got a, a local, regular weekly meta game going, uh-huh. and that mattered so much. Yeah, because there were all sorts of tricks that I learned over the course of playing it that I didn't know the first time I piloted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was happy to get, uh, we started three games. Uh, we didn't finish any of them, but we started three games. And for us, that was actually really good. <laughs> yeah. Dan, would you change anything to your team if you had to do it all over again? Um, like I said, I already had some sub-ins because I didn't own the piece or I couldn't get a hold of it. So I, I would have played the the Deep Cuts Torch just because... The free barrier, um, him allowing knockback with the barrier, him just being a flyer would have given me a lot of extra utility that I didn't have on my team. I had a lot of pieces that I had to just kind of move around, and uh, that wasn't that great for me, unfortunately. It was uh, still like him being also an extra like carrier for someone would have been good, because um, like I spent more time like moving some pieces some turns, 
just to get them into position than actually being able to make attacks sometimes. So it was uh, it was a pacing thing for sure. Uh, I'm not. I'll, uh, also, just not like I really like this team, but I I see how weak I was to all the penetrating damage and stuff. So I, I want to see if I can uh, come up with something else to try to deal with that in a better manner. So. Uh, Ken, this next one's for you. He said, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, how much pressure do you feel going to time in the finals and rolling the dice to decide the outcome? And looking back on the tournament, would you have changed any gameplay or team build decisions as well? So team build, no. This this team evolved with a couple of changes, but I was pretty set with it. And I, and I knew from locally that it was very strong. How I felt, and I would say that under normal circumstances, I would have been wired and stressed, but I was so punchy that when it came down to a roll-off one, I was ecstatic because I I thought going into that last match, my odds were low. And when I looked down and saw that nothing had been KO'd, uh, I was, I mean, I was, I, it was a little crazy. PJ had commented, you guys want to roll off for the victory at the end? And I didn't take him seriously. And then he said, you ended up rolling off anyway. I'm like, yeah, but if I'd rolled off without playing the game and lost, I'd never forgive myself. So I was kind of punchy. I just grabbed the dice and rolled them almost immediately without thinking. Lifted up my dice cup and saw the nine. I was just like, yeah! It was the yeah. one time that Saturnine could not affect your no. dice results. <laughs> well, but I'll just say, uh, I, I was punchy. And I didn't feel too much pressure because uh, I, I wanted this con- more confident that I've been gone into any big event. And often... In competitive play, I get very wired and very tense, and I somehow I managed to, to get into sort of a relaxed groove where it didn't really matter how it came out, and then I won anyway, which was nice. And then his last question is, what is your favorite tarot card? Uh, Dan's is the magician, and Ryan's is the one that lets you leap out of stealth six squares away. That is false. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, the I threw you that one instead, but I didn't think about that one. Um, um, I play, but I don't really love tarot cards. Um, I guess for this for this build, my favorite card is the one that says, "With flurry, you get an extra attack." Yeah, because with is that the Arachnid, Ace, of, Ace of Pentacles? Uh, I, I can tell you in a second. I but think it sounds so. right. I, that that does sound right. Look at that knowledge. Uh, yeah. That was off the top well of my head. Done. Well done. It's Ace of Pentacles. I never know what they're called except for the high, except for the um, the uh, major arcana. But um, for this build, most people don't have flurry, and with Arachnite's ability, if he KOs somebody to maybe get yet another attack, um, having having that. You know, if you miss one of any of either of your flurry attacks, you get an extra attack. Uh, it just it makes him really good. So for this build, I'd say that. Overall, though, I think the only one that I really go to all the time is plus one on super senses rolls. But overall, I kind of kind of hope they early retire or somehow nerf tarot cards because I don't want to be a a permanent default part of the game forever. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like they should have had some sort of point cost. Yeah. I agree. Either it's two or, points or five points or whatever, but they should have had some they, sort of point. Or they cost. all take up sideline slots or something, you know? Yeah. There has to be there has to be some trade off. As and, it is, there's no reason not to play them except for the backfire effect. Yeah. Anything that's just free, like a destroyer or a tarot card, 
Like even the mystery cards are considered sideline. They need to have they need to be something that you know costs you something to put on your team. Yeah. Um, they have to do something else. I'm going to read uh, Peter Marshall uh, did a couple questions, but I'm just going to read this one. Uh, he said, "What is everyone's thoughts on the lack of?" Carnage Surfer and Top Cut. Why do you think that's the case? Is it because Vampire Dials effects are too gimmicky and not two point uh, click as Sky Tyrant? Uh, I know J Major played two, but he was the only one that had them on there. Also, I didn't see a lot of Scarabs in Top Sixteen. Yeah, I have, I have thoughts about both these things. So for for Carnage Surfers, I didn't see any. I don't know if there were a lot of them elsewhere. Um. And if there if there were, I don't know. Maybe people were playing them point and shoot, and they're more finesse. But um, you know, they've got good rollouts, but they've got no stop. I, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do better. They seem like really great pieces to me. As far it's, as Sarah, because they're four hundred dollars a piece, and people can't afford that. Well, exactly, exactly. And then for scarabs, um, first of all, I went into the day figuring the first time I saw a scarab. I had a good chance at my first loss. By far, the thing my team is weakest to. And I think people didn't play them uh, for two reasons. One, they're kind of not fresh anymore. People wanted to try new stuff. And secondly, uh, there's a lot of counter-programming to Scarab available that, you know, if, if, you, if you brought a Scarab, you probably expected to see... I mean, I had an emotional modifier on my sideline. Um, I don't know that it would have really helped that much. But I imagine there's enough counter-programming to Scarab that it would be risky to play it. I'm still surprised I didn't see more. I'm surprised they didn't make the top. Ryan, a lot thoughts? of the yeah the uh, the the Scarab thing is there. The Scarabs just weren't getting points, and the meta is very different than it was in Orlando and especially in uh, what was it Worlds, where people are actually scoring a lot of points now. So everyone that played Scarabs. Uh, most of them just weren't getting enough points, even if they won, because oh, that was their main uh, their main strategy has not evolved since the rules change. It's hide behind barrier and try to mind control. Now that's that's that makes perfect sense, and I was still scared to death of them because I had so many squishy pieces they could kill. Yeah, that I mean, I didn't one. come across any, and I'm very happy I didn't. Um, but I think that that is it ha- definitely has changed since then. Yeah. <clears throat> That was the one thing I did practice against with Scarab, and I realized I just need to run at them, and my team is actually decently capable of doing that, with, especially with Spider-Man. I can literally move. I can move 12 squares, get a token, move another 12, and then get a second token. Or if I can get to get within charge range, I can hit, and then I have my second token, and I can make my free attack and hit again. So Yeah, I figured if I faced a Scarab, it would be go all out at them. And I similarly... Uh, I've got pretty good mobility uh, to get across at least a small map. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. I think just the threat of a small map too made him a little bit harder to choose to play him also. Yeah. Um, well, the current surfers, I think he really suffers from um, just the, the lower values. He's very good, so you have to either decide to uh, go into symbiotes or more carnages so that you're all healing, uh, or something like Jay did where you have all those extra rollouts. Yeah, um, I he am. is very good. The other I, thing was the people that the people that played Scarab did not make top sixteen, so Scarab didn't actually make like he was there. I saw a double Scarab team, um, but yeah, Scott people, played double Scarabs. Uh, no, I thought it was Matt. I did not think. Did Scott play double Scarab as well? I think so. 
Okay. So there were two double scarab teams that didn't make it. Yeah. That tells us something. Exactly, yeah. I think the whole game has shifted. I am going to skip yeah, your next questions, Peter, just because um, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten yet, and it's 9 o'clock. No <laughs> offense. But I do appreciate the questions. I really do. Uh, last one is Dustin Kennedy, and his is, which of the revealed Connellys are you going to try and get, if any? Which is a great segue into our next section of the podcast. So we're going to go over all the figures relatively quickly of what we got as previews from the Scott Porter stream. Uh, first one off, it's not a, a um, I don't think it's a Connelly, but it's the Scott Crampton Bystander. Scott Crampton is officially in Hero Clicks, and if he doesn't play this at every single event he goes to for the rest of his life, I will be disappointed. But he is four points, four range, and he's got four, 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 four for all of his combat values to um, represent the four points gaming club. He has stealth. He has Smoke Cloud, Toughness, and he has, I love the four damage, uh, four da- uh, Enhancement. And then he has a trait, which is Scott Crampton only deals damage on a crit hit. Free, make an attack. If Scott Crampton is adjacent to a friendly character, lines of fire drawn to him are hindered. Uh, so very cool. It's got him in his, I believe that's like a steampunk outfit that he wears. Uh, so very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nice representation of him and his Four Points Gaming Club, and he also has his Critical Clicks logo on the back. So very cool. Congratulations. Now, he did that for winning Silver Age at Worlds? Yeah. Yes. Question mark. Yeah, I think it came down to him and Dan, and Dan is the one that he won, picked the bystander, and then Dan got to do the legacy card. I think that's what happened. Yes. Uh, so the... Um, Legacy card that Dan decided to go with. We all thought it was going to be Unimine, but um, he decided to go with the Iron Man Chase from Avengers Assemble. This is the ones with the Kool-Aid bottom, that really like pink, reddish, cool-looking bottom to it. Um, and I don't think much has changed on him, but he did give him a ve- very Thanos-esque power where he basically sees through everything. He sees through elevation, blocking, hindering, and people, and can shoot out of it. Uh, and it's free. Choose one for Iron Man to use until your next turn, which is Outwit or Range Combat Expert. Um, he's 120 points. He has also Energy Explosion Psychic Blast as a um, attack power. His trait is Energy Shield Reflection, Impervious, and Iron Man can reduce penetrating damage. And then his last three clicks, he has a special power, which is Force Blast, Leap Climb, and Sidestep. The problem is he starts with Sidestep. But um, he has a seven range, triple target, sees through everything. Uh, Very cool uh, figure. Which is on the image of his card. Yep. Why on (laughs) five are all the numbers bold? Uh, It's a different font. uh, And I think, uh, Ryan, you had a theory for this when I talked about this in the Discord. What was that again? Uh, it was something that uh, they printed the wrong numbers, uh, and then they caught it. So they probably just did that before they did the slide. Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. I'm assuming because that happened a few times in uh, the last set. I'm assuming that's what it is, but I'm okay. not positive. Uh, one other thing to note is that he does have the Avengers ability, and it is getting a buff. Uh, it's going to be so. In the past, it was if you had the Avengers ability when you gave them a move action, you got plus one to your movement. It is now for all friendly characters with this team ability. At the beginning of the game, choose a team ability. 
This character modifies attack plus one when attacking one or more characters with the chosen team ability printed on their base, so not when they wild card. So Avengers is getting a nice buff to their team ability. Dude. So very cool figure. I know he likes Iron Man, so uh, it is fitting that uh, he picked an Iron Man and he picked a good one. Uh, one thing I will say Peter Marshall did ask was that, because WizKids made the comment that they would never do chases for legacy cards yet this is the second chase they've done and from the same set uh rick jones and now iron man so i don't think that they said they would never do them i think they said something along the lines of they're not currently on the radar okay well then i think the thing too was that the two they picked weren't like heavily sought after in the first place Mm -hmm. i don't think as much like these i I remember when at least from what i remember from avengers assemble was these were not the most sought after chases when they came out. It was some of the other ones. No, the Rick Jones always was a fun one, though. I kind of yeah. asked because if they were going to do a chase, they did one of the more fun chases. Yeah, I was just thinking in general of like, okay, so price point wise, these two shouldn't be terribly hard to get if they are where they are in the wild, I guess. Um, so very cool figures. Congrats to Scott and Dan for being able to make these and, uh, for Scott for finally being in the game. Uh, so now we're going to talk about some con LEs, I believe is the black Panther and Jessica Jones con LEs. Are they just, uh, um, no, those are Avengers 60. Oh, they're Avengers 60. Okay. So we won't talk about those because we'll save that for the, uh, set review when that set comes out. Uh, but first, Connelly, and I'll let Dan talk about this guy, but it is Venom, God of the Symbiotes, who the sculpt alone is worth getting this guy. Uh, so, Dan, tell us a little bit about God of Symbiotes. Uh, so he's beefy. He's either 270 or 150. He is 11 clicks long for 270 or two, 7 clicks long for 150, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he... Has two traits, a special speed power and a special defense power. He is power cosmic. Um, he has God of Hunger, which is shape change, steel energy. When he uses it, or when he uses steel energy, he, instead of healing, he may generate a symbiote bystander, which the symbiote bystanders are plasticity, blades, super senses, and shape change. I can't really see the stats besides the six speed and the the two damage, unfortunately. Everything uh, else is kind of... It's six, yep. Okay, so, I mean, not terrible stats, and just a ridiculous tie-up piece for free. He does have to hit and then heal, so that's something. Um, he does have improved movement characters and elevated, so he's pretty much going wherever he wants. You're not really tying him down, which I dig a lot. Um, his second trait is leadership at the beginning of your turn. Um, he may generate a symbiote bystander, max four, so you can only have four of them. And then if he's 270, he may generate it adjacent to a friendly character named symbiote or that has the symbiote keyword. So, pretty cool if you're pairing him up with other characters with the symbiote keyword. Um, his special speed power, which is on clicks 1 through 5, is charge when he uses it. Before moving, he may choose a friendly character with a symbiote or or named symbiote or with the symbiote keyword. If he does, place him and the chosen character in each other's squares. So, he gets to warp, basically. Um, That's insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I dig it. It's very comic accurate for what he does when he's god of symbiotes. So, this is pretty cool. Um, and his special defense power, which is on clicks 1 through 5, and also on clicks 10 and 11, so his last two, is impervious. When he uses it, increase the result by plus 1 for each friendly character named Symbiote. If there are 4 or more friendly characters named Symbiote, he can reduce penetrating damage. So a good way to give him, like, 
an even better reducer if you've got more of these friendlies on the board. Um, I'm not sure how this would work if you played like the 30 point symbiote from the um, Spider-Man set. Pretty sure it works. Same- this, yeah, it works the same way. It's not checking for like a, a set name or anything, or like the the set number and all that. So I think it would work. Um, it doesn't really seem all that busted. So you could like right away start him off with at least two or three, and then he's just already reducing penetrating damage. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, I don't think he'll be meta, but he's going to be a lot of fun to play. Yeah, like I said, the sculpt alone is worth getting this guy if you can. He's a, he looks incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ken, why don't you take Wonder Woman? I'll be happy to. I I am a fan of this character from what I see. I haven't thought it through all the way, but um, I, I basically like overpowered Wonder Woman anyway. That's why I play Death Metal Wonder Woman. And so this one is, uh, she's Wonder Woman. She's 150 points for, uh, I don't know how many clicks that is, 10 yeah. clicks, or she's 90 for uh, seven clicks. Um, she starts, uh, she's got different powers on her top dial than the rest of her dial, so it's almost like two different figures. Um, the, the, the top one is charge, sidestep, 12 attack, uh, super strength, 19 impervious, and then uh, damage power, lasso of truth, empower, free, choose an opposing character within four squares in line of fire. That character can't use damage powers until your next turn. So, similar to the common uh, who gets that ability when she hits, this one can do it for free. She can turn off your shape change or your prob or your outwit just for free. She has a lot of points for that. On her lower dial, she starts at uh, 10 charge, 11 super strength, 19 impervious, and 4 with that same lasso of truth power. Uh, but she only has that for a couple of clicks. But the real, the real stuff here is... Um, her traits. First, we're all Amazons. That means we fight together. When another friendly character with the Amazon keyword takes damage from an attack, after resolutions, you may place Wonder Woman adjacent to that character. So that's not always good, but there's certainly situations where that's going to be great. And the second one, uh, Hephaestus's armory, is one that I think we'll see abused. During force construction, up to three friendly characters with the Amazon keyword may be assigned equipment without paying the equipment's cost. <laughs> no, there's no cap on that. So in Silver Age, she's just handing out gauntlets to a bunch of people, uh, you know, 30-point objects. Uh, in in Modern Age, at least for a little while, someone's getting uh, all black, the Necrosword. Um, that's, she's 90 points, and that's a bit expensive for a character that doesn't have a stop and only has the 1 in 6 rollout on Super Senses and in you know, no no outwit protection. So she's possibly quite collectible for her points, but she's bringing a lot of value to other characters on the team. And she can think, use that trait for herself, too. Yes. Because it's so like other. I think of her as like, a, a, you know, what I think of as our Sunday events, which are, they're not exactly completely casual, but they're not very competitive either, where people bring out figures that can do tricks but are never going to see worlds. I don't think this is ever going to be a top tier meta piece, but she she'll come out on Sundays in Chicago, where she'll uh, cause consternation. She for looks sure. like fun for sure. Uh, and then the next one we have, I'll let Ryan take this one. We are getting a Space Coast hero click. Uh, yes, <laughs> that was pretty cool to see. Um, 
So he's got a five range with two bolts. He's got three different point values, 80, 60, and 30. He has celebrity, cosmic, and police keywords. Um, each one of his clicks, he starts with something else. Uh, it's usually charge or sidestep. Uh, the big thing is his, um, his, his attack power. So he has free, choose one for space ghost to use until he chooses again and it's uh, pairs of powers so it's either energy explosion and penetrating psychic blast uh, or energy shield deflection and invulnerability or force blast is free and tk so at 30 points that alone is a pretty cool power um, but then he has a trait that also gives him stealth super senses and super strength uh, and then another trait that gives him Perplex, and if Space Ghost has no action tokens, he can use it twice a turn. When Space Ghost uses Perplex to target a friendly character, that character has Safeguard Opposing Probability Control until your next turn. So, I mean, at 30 points, that does a lot of stuff right there. Yeah. And the fact that he's yeah. a 6 charge with 18 willpower, 3 damage, CCE. Oh, yeah. So he's doing, with super strength, uh, 5 damage? Yeah, mm-hmm. eleven for five. I mean, he has a six square or a, a six charge, so three. But for thirty points on eleven for five damage, uh, with perplex, you can make that a twelve five. Is really good. And then you can hide him in stealth. He can be your TK piece. You got the perplex, super senses to keep him a little bit more safe, and then the utility of super strength. So yeah, he is crazy good at thirty points. Yeah. Thirty points for double perplex and then TK. Yeah, it's crazy turn. good. Before, he, yeah. before he's got tokens. And he's so. a celebrity, so he can be on Spider-Man, uh, at least for now. I don't think... Uh, no, um, what is it? Absolute Carnage will be getting retired, so I don't yeah. think we'll be able to see that. Yeah, that, that set is definitely going to retire, but through Worlds at least. Yeah, but he is Cosmic. Cosmic still has a place in competitive. Uh, and lastly, we are getting two Scott Porter figures. Now, I don't know if they're going to be coming like a box set. I don't know if he went over that or if they're just going to be individual figures or because they're different so, sculpts or different paint jobs. One, yeah, one is coming out um, at, for the Hero Clicks for Huntington's thing, and then the other one is going to be available later on uh, on the WizKids store. Okay. Uh, so Scott Porter, real name, Scott Porter. He is a team player, four range, uh, 25 points, and a celebrity. Uh, he This one has sidestep with a special attack power, which is knockback, pulse wave, but doesn't target friendly characters, so it's somewhat of Deathstroke-esque. And then he has toughness, 18 defense with uh, prob. Uh, he has two traits. First one is Scott Porter has all keywords, even when he's not on the map. And then his other one is at the beginning of the game, if Scott Porter is on a theme team, other friendly characters modify attack plus one as long as Scott Porter is on the map. So kind of collector-ish. Uh, and then at, be- at the beginning of the game, if all other friendly characters are from the same hero click set, other friendly characters modify damage by plus one as long as Scott Porter is on the map. So very collectory, um, which I like. And then he has a stop click, which is stop regen. When he uses it, heal each adjacent character one click. So for 25 points, I mean, it's amazing for sidestep, prob, uh, plus one attack or plus one damage and a stop click. And I believe this is the one that's coming out later. Is this the white shirt or the black shirt? Or not sure. Uh, well, one of them's the he actually has like a hero clicks for Huntington's um, shirt on, and that's the next one. Okay. I don't uh, know about colors though. I thought one had a white and one had a black shirt. Yeah, I think uh, this is the white one. I think the Huntington one is black. Okay, I believe. And he is holding a brick of hero clicks, which is pretty cool as well. 
in his sculpt. Uh, and then last one, four range, uh, 25 points again, celebrity. This one is sidestep with TK with a special defensive power, which is family is everything. Super senses, friendly characters modify defense plus one when adjacent to a friendly character that share a keyword with them. And then he has a one damage perplex. He has three traits. First one, when establishing theme teams, choose any keyword, then choose a team ability that another friendly or opposing character has on their dial. This game, Scott Porter has the chosen keyword and team ability. During game setup, if Scott Porter is part of a theme team, increase the result of your roll for the first player by plus one. So you do get a bump in your initiative, uh, which I believe would make it a plus four because there's really no rule against that uh, as of right now. And then another trait, support. At the beginning of your turn, Scott Porter may heal a friendly character one click. And then last one is if Scott Porter is part of a theme team, he starts the game with three community tokens. If Scott Porter has any community tokens, once per turn you may reroll any roll. Period. Any roll. Senses, um, blades, breakaway, whatever you want. Um, if you do... After resolutions, remove a community token from Scott Porter. I can see both of these guys making their way into the competitive scene for sure. They Especially will. They're crazy. I'd have played him. Note that he can heal at the beginning of the turn. He heals a friendly character one click. It doesn't say adjacent. Right. Anywhere yeah. on the map. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that re-roll any roll, likewise, there's no line of fire requirement. Yep. Mm -hmm. wow. You only get to three times, but you know we we all know how a single reroll in a game can make a huge difference, and it's any reroll. Your yeah. opponent, your opponent's super senses. You know. Yeah, and you yeah, can do that three times. Yep. Uh, so yeah, very excited to hopefully get a hold of these figures. I don't know how they're coming out. I'm sure he's going to be giving some away or winning. You're going to earn some at the Huntington's Disease Charity event, um, but I don't know if they're going to be like Connelly box they figures. They're going to be they're going to be on the WizKids web store. Uh, yep. There's going to be some available, I believe, at least the um, the family one um, this for the event in Huntsville. Okay. Otherwise, they'll both be available online on their web store. Awesome. And we'll have an episode coming up about the Huntington's Disease Charity event that's coming up very soon. Um, it is the 19th today, and that event is in two weeks. Uh, so I'm not sure. Ryan, are you going to that? Uh, no, we had tickets to the Blink-182 concert, so uh, okay. that's on Sunday, and that's the, the main day I would want to play, so we're not going to this one this year. Dan, are you going to it? Definitely not, unfortunately. Ken, are you going to it? I am not. Okay. Um, I'll see you on my end. Not sure quite yet. Uh, I would love to. Um, but that is going to be our podcast tonight. Thank you for sticking around with us this long. This was a little bit of a longer episode. Uh, we really, really had nothing to talk about last week. That's why we didn't film or record. Um, and I figured we'd save everything for today's event. But, uh, Ken, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations on keeping the belt in Chicago. And brought it back home. Brought it back home. Reclaimed. And thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's been a great time. Uh, like I said, sound like a great tournament. Hopefully I can go next year. Uh, I don't know of any other big tournaments that are coming up. I wouldn't necessarily call our Cheesehead Championship big, but I would like to get it to that uh, point at some point. 
Um, I think um, Nationals well, happens beginning of August, so I think that's the next big thing. No, states, states. before that, or states is yeah, uh, states then Nationals uh, in August at the beginning of August. So. Um, those are the next big ones coming up. And if there's any other tournaments out there that people want us to advertise or anything like that, please let me know. And I will mention it on the podcast. Cause again, we're a community. We want to get, um, everyone's, um, tournaments or whatever they're having out there. So people can uh, build this community up even more than it is. But thank you, uh, everyone for sticking around. Thank you to Ryan and Dan and Ken for joining me. And I'm not going to screw this up. And remember, <laughs> Not all superheroes wear capes, some roll dice. Have a good night, guys.